Hi everyone, welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. Today we'll be talking about E. coli in water and why we measure it, why it's important, and where it comes from. Thanks for listening. Matt, how are we doing? Doing all right, Riley. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, for those of you who are new to Freshwater Perspectives, I am Riley Bewley, one of the co-hosts. I am your other co-host, Matt Gladfelter. Yep. We met at Auburn University in a lab, and now we're doing a podcast for the three listeners that are out there. Oh, well, um, we gained one, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Every, every couple episodes. It can't be every episode, but every couple episodes, we'll add okay. a new person. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully eventually it's just exponential growth, right? You know, two becomes three, three yeah, becomes I know, six, I know, right? and just, it just goes up from there. I wonder what, like, our <laughs> listening population is like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's what's the carrying capacity, right? Ooh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, K, <laughs> right? capacity. <laughs> <laughs> Can't, there's only so many, so that's funny. Um, uh, well, I'm good. Yeah. Um, you said you're doing good, too? Yeah. Hopefully I don't sound different this week because my fiance and I went all the way back to New Jersey um, to go see her family. Jersey. Um, and then we took a day trip down to D.C. because Rachel and her siblings grew up overseas. Um, long story short, my fiance's um, dad does international business, so they grew up everywhere except the U.S. for pretty much all of her life. Um, so they'd never been, they never took like that obligatory trip to Washington, D.C. in high school uh even being from new jersey so i was like oh well we're going to dc anyway to go to a soccer game you might as well you know stop by the capital um so we did that it was a ton of fun saw the natural history museum washington monument lincoln memorial all that fun stuff um and then i watched the soccer game so my voice is a little hoarse hopefully not but feels a little a little hoarse from from yelling so hopefully it doesn't negatively affect us here that's fun though I've never been to D.C. I really want to oh, go. You haven't been to D.C. either? Oh, I guess, I, yeah. All the way from Minnesota. Never mind. That's fair. East, east, that upper <laughs> east coast. You know, I've been to upstate New York. Um, you know, I've been to New Jersey, at least uh, across the, the river, right? Yeah. And then um, I need to go to the other spots. Maybe I think the highest is North Carolina. The best so. part, in my opinion, one of the best parts about D.C. is its metro system. So we okay. didn't have to drive anywhere near D.C. We drove to University of Maryland. And took the metro all the way down and the best part was the national mall and the stadium were all in the same line so we didn't didn't have to change trains it was fantastic oh, cool yeah. i remember i applied for a position at epa the headquarters oh like smack Man. dab in the, the middle and i asked about like just quality of life and like i was like some <laughs> how how long does it take to get into work and they're like oh it depends <laughs> Oh, it's it like, does depend, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like, um, it's so, yeah, because I've never had to, like, commute like that. I guess I did have to commute to some of the remote locations that I work now, but not, not like, within a metropolitan like that. So I was like, yeah, I was I mean, a little it's... intimidated, right? Because I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just going to be so different if I took that job. I ended up, um, life went a different direction, but um, still interesting to think, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, For those... Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, okay. For any uh, young listeners out there, but while you 
you might be getting out of school, uh, I can't advocate enough to look at cost of living, look at like where you're going to be because it, it all plays in a factor at that uh, dollar sign on, you know, a salary or an income. Uh, it can be really eaten because I remember that specific job had quite a large salary in comparison to other jobs in our field. And I was like, oh, there's a reason, right? Like <laughs> I looked at um, <laughs> rent for an apartment and I was like, oh Lord, like, and then commuting, like if you wanted to go with your wife downtown or something, it's like, oh, you gotta like pay for parking. Like that sounds mm -hmm. like that might sound so novel to somebody, but to me, I was like, oh my Lord, like I need to actually, so I had it spreadsheets for every place I applied and I looked at cost of living, uh, your, uh, what are your, what are your biggest expenses, Matt? This is the tangent, but I love it. My so, personal biggest expenses? No, no, no. Just in general. This oh. isn't for, this is for everyone. Well, it's like my personal? <laughs> yeah. Um, in general, I mean, groceries are a big one. Yep. That's one of them. Um, what's the number one you think? Is it utilities or rent? That's, I would say that's rent a second. Okay. Not oh, number no. one. I'm failing right now. <laughs> number <laughs> one is taxes. Uh, yeah, that uh -huh. makes sense. Uh, yep. that's one, uh, that's like a trick, that's a trick, trick question yep. there. But if you, bigger, bigger your, for W2 workers, bigger your income, the bigger the taxes. So I remember mm -hmm. that played into a factor too for some of those higher income. I was like, wow, like a, a one job I applied for, didn't even get an interview, was in San Jose. Um, oh. <laughs> it was like so aggressively high. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh my Lord, yep. they must really love water quality over there. And then <laughs> I looked at like, yeah, medium, like house, just how much for house and then taxes because California has a very high tax rate. And I was like, oh, that's why they need, like that's the, not poverty line, but like minimum to, mm -hmm. to be comfortable in that city. I was like, holy moly. Yeah, so, Southern California, man. Very interesting. So any, anybody out there who's looking for a position, keep that, keep that in mind. It's not, it's not the only thing you should be concerned, right? But, um, you know, until you can go into Walmart and pay um, for your groceries with good deeds. Um, you still gotta, you still gotta keep that in mind, right? Man, you can pay look. pay your Walmart bill with uh your publications, right? Oh, there you go, publisher <laughs> parish. There, now, yeah, now it yep. came full yep. circle. Full circle. Man, who'd who think we'd be doling out life advice here on this podcast? I'm, I'm giving out little snippets for the the next generation, right? <laughs> Stuff they don't teach you in uh, school, but mm -hmm. anyways, I digress. All right, everybody, welcome back to Freshwater Perspectives. For those of you who don't know how the podcast is run here, uh, myself, one of your co-hosts here, Matt Gladfelter, and our other co-host, Riley Bealey, hello. <laughs> uh, the way that we like to run things here is Riley and I will switch off every week or so as to who's uh, running the show here and, and in charge of the podcast. So I'm taking a seat on the sidelines here today, and Riley's going to talk to us today about E. coli, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Riley, why don't you, uh, why don't you take it away? Yes, we're going to talk about E. coli today and uh, specifically E. coli in freshwater systems and how it relates to water quality. So uh, let's give a little intro, okay? So even if you're not a water quality professional, uh, there's a good chance you've heard about E. coli, right? So anybody who's unfortunately had food poisoning and you might have gone to a beach and it's closed for some reason, uh, that could be because of this bacteria called E. coli. So we're going to focus on, yeah, what is E. coli? We're going to talk about that. And then it's 
impacts to water quality and water resource management. It's it's quite a big issue, to be honest. So uh, hopefully you'll take some take-homes from today and um, have a better awareness of this kind of critical issue, especially in the Midwest, uh, about E. coli. So <laughs> let's uh, start with what is E. coli, okay? So for those of you who don't know, this is a bacterium, bacteria, because there's multiple. Uh, mm -hmm. Bacteria is plural, everyone. Bacterium is singular fun stuff. Uh, it is a rod-shaped gram-negative bacteria found naturally in the digestive tracts of humans and other warm-blooded, keyword, warm-blooded animals. So in the gut, it's, it's, it's a beneficial bacteria, right, in most cases. So it's helping with digestion, it's feeding on the food that's passing um, into the intestines, and uh, some researchers thought that it is useful and maybe producing vitamin K for human absorption as well. So let's let's start off saying not all E. coli is bad. It's a it's a friend. Your gut is filled with bacteria. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, this probably sounds probably sounds so basic to like uh, people in the medical field, right? If anybody's listening, maybe one of the three. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to paint the picture of you know where it comes from because we'll be focusing more so on what happens when it gets in water. Um, yeah, so in, in the gut, it's, in most cases, harmless, right? And then it, there's some strains, though, that can be lethal, if not cause serious illness to humans, right? You probably heard about that, right, huh, Matt? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is Chipotle and their, and their dirty lettuce. <laughs> their dirty lettuce. I like Chipotle, yeah. But um, that's, yeah. So there are some strains of E. coli that are not you know they're 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 not harmless right but then there's on the other hand there's some at least six strains that cause quite severe illness in humans and mostly this is related to diarrhea diarrheal like symptoms okay so those digestive symptoms but uh, interestingly some of the research that i saw is that you know if e coli gets into your urinary tract, um, or also other parts of the body that can cause sepsis and, and even meningitis in some situations. Oh, so really? yeah, right. Meningitis. So not wow. just gastrointestinal illness; it can be other illnesses as well, right? Yeah, hmm. I, I mean, I guess meningitis is a. Yeah, I never knew. You know, I knew it was a bacterial infection. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't. I seriously don't know if it's like all any bacteria just in hmm. in the because it affects your. <laughs> Sorry, everyone who's healthcare affects like your head, right? Like, well, yes, yeah, so like the meninges, if I'm not mistaken, it's like a group of I don't know if it's blood vessels or nerves that like surround your kind of skull cap there in your brain. So, yeah. any swelling in there can put a lot of pressure on your brain. Okay, okay, all right, everyone, we're learning together. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Yeah, um, I sorry, quick, <clears throat> sorry, quick sidebar. Um, before I got into aquatic sciences, I thought I wanted to be an MD, so I do have a little oh. bit of background knowledge. My mom I didn't is know also, this about you. And my mom is also a nurse, so I okay. got a fairly decent background in healthcare. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So six strains they produce that um, gastrointestinal type of illness, but there's also some strains potentially within those six strains. I'm not necessarily sure, but there's some strains or select E. coli that produce illness via the toxins. So there's some E. coli that are produce illness just as I read it by just being there, right? 
Okay. But then there's also some that cause illness because of what they produce. And that's what's known as Shiga toxins. S-H-I-G-A. Hmm. I believe I'm saying it right. Sounds right. Facts, please. Correct us if we're wrong, always. And um, that can lead to a variety of symptoms similar to just E. coli being in the wrong place. And, you know, that's a gastrointestinal illness. But some severe uh, poisonings from the shigatoxin can cause um, lesions in the gut. And that leads to, yeah, bloody diarrhea and can be life-threatening for sure. Hmm. Crazy, right? Yeah. So um, E. coli outbreaks, it, it, it varies, right? It can be very mild system symptoms that you don't really know, don't really think about, and then all the way to these very severe illnesses. And mild sides, they don't always get reported um, until those like severe um, issues, the, the symptoms um, get reported. So that can be an issue for water quality because you this potentially illness-forming bacteria um, of E. coli, it's it's there, but it's not um, it's not going to be reported until a lot of people are sick. So it's almost one of those like it it it's not necessarily a problem until it's a big problem. So it can mm -hmm. be difficult for um, human health and environmental health type of people that monitor this stuff. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's illness with E. coli. Let's get to E. coli in the water. So how does it get there? Um, why is it there? And, and what we can what can we do about it? So. Um, I'm going to scroll down. I have a script, everyone. <laughs> All right, so E. coli in water. And so interestingly, I didn't necessarily know this is that bacteria. So there's bacteria in the water, everyone. Okay, they provide a lot of functions, a lot of services from uh, breaking down leaf litter and um, detritus, detritus in the water to um, digesting nutrients and doing a nitrogen cycle. And it's transferring energy from one place to the next there's these bacteria in the water i guess for lack of a better scientific term they're they're, they're helpers right that's yeah movement of energy movement of yeah. nutrients right matt mm -hmm. is that yeah, a just good ener energetic facilitators yeah yeah there you, there you go. go yeah and in some areas e coli is just there you know so it's it's typically more in like tropical or warmer freshwater environments but yeah there's some strains of e coli that are just in water naturally okay Mm -hmm. However, there is also E. coli that gets into freshwater systems where we don't want it to be there, okay? And these can relate to human health and illnesses, right? And we're going to talk about many ways that E. coli can get into freshwater systems, but um, areas where humans and or animals intersect with that aquatic environment, that's how they're going to get into there. Uh, very specifically, uh, Harmful E. coli comes from digestive tracts of humans and, and animals, right? So mm -hmm. that intersection where effluent waste product is getting into freshwater system, that is where um, this can be a big deal. And so, for example, sewers, right? Wastewater treatment plants that aren't necessarily doing their job. There's a lot of aging infrastructure in the United States, for example, that can lead to effluent. Um, even if wastewater treatment plants are doing their job and there's a big storm surge, um, yeah, something that I've had to deal with, right? It's like um, storm surge and you take a E. coli measurement and you're like, whoa. And mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. so there's or some um, smaller towns have wastewater treatment lagoons. So um, it's not necessarily like a plant. Um, it's it's the wastewater goes into um, poop ponds. 
and it, it the bacteria does its thing. Uh, there's some bacteria that breaks down human waste as well. But uh, too much storm surge coming through sewer lines, for example, and that effluent sometimes gets out into um, the environment without getting cleaned, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah and a lot of different ways. If, if I may run to the aid of wastewater treatment plants for a second, mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, so part of that of of course they're getting overwhelmed by the the storm surge but i think too you can have situations um where cities are growing faster than their infrastructure and i know atlanta yes. for a fact is one of those where they're having problems with i don't know about wastewater or the, actually i know they're in problem with wastewater because they're dumping a ton in the chattahoochee uh, but also drinking water they're having problem getting drinking water out beyond like center city um yeah. atlanta to those newer suburbs Yes, and we're not pointing fingers here uh, where this is coming from. It, in most cases, and I've, I've had to deal with this in my positions now leaving um, school, it's it can come from a lot of places, right? So mm -hmm. no no need for finger pointing. We're all trying to, to help. And there's a couple also that I haven't mentioned. So agricultural runoff, so mm -hmm. um, livestock manure, if you have a CAFO or those concentrated feeding operations that aren't um, necessarily keeping in the waste like they're supposed to, that can be where it's from and also you know e coli can just come from um directly from the source so if say you're swimming at a public beach and uh, a little kid um yep that does their business or something that that can lead to e coli in beaches so a lot of places monitor beaches for example these where where humans will interact with the aquatic environment can be a huge one and it, it and the birds that um are in the area as well so if you think of like waterfowl or geese right a lot of geese that can mm -hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of droppings that can be where e coli gets into your area so if you have a bunch of geese and a public beach happens a lot in the midwest right that can be huge issues for e coli and you're swimming you get it through your nose or you swallow that water and you can be sick um mm. there was one example oh my lord and before starting this podcast, I remembered this, and this is why I wrote it down. Was so Minnesota land of ten thousand lakes, right? Mm -hmm. There's uh, some lakes though that are hugely popular, hugely popular, and one of them is Lake Minnetonka. Okay, super okay. super uh, affluent area. Prince had his house there. Um, mm. Rest in peace, Prince. And uh, yeah, so Fourth <laughs> of July weekend in 2019, I remember this because my dad sent it to me, there was a report of 172 people um, getting sick by E. coli. They, they had wow. these, you know, like party barges, party beaches, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody uh, did their business and, or multiple people, and that a lot of people got sick. Yeah, 172, yeah. that's a lot. But yeah, I guess for yeah. a, a major holiday weekend, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. Yeah, we're talking about like yacht-sized boats type of yeah. situation. Wow. And like, yeah, like uh, party barges and... um. Officials even warned that uh, residual fecal matter in underwear can contaminate a lake. And I wrote, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. Fun, right? So <laughs> E. coli can, again, so hopefully this paints a picture that it's not just agriculture. It's not just wastewater systems. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about wastewater systems. Um, like Matt was talking about, if I remember correctly, it was a couple of weeks since I wrote this, to be honest. But uh yeah, it can come from a lot of different places. Um, livestock walking, you know, into stream banks, and um, 
in my, I, I don't think that's necessarily illegal to do, but it can mm-hmm. lead to these situations where a uh, cow uses the restroom <laughs> in the water. And yep, that's that's where this comes from. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Any thoughts before going on, Matt? I don't think so. I don't. There's some stuff I want to get on, but I'm sure you'll you'll get to it later with like the monitoring stuff. That yes. there are. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I won't. Okay. I won't steal your thunder there. Okay. The thunder is about to come because that next right. section is measuring E. coli and water. So perfect. Um, where are we at this this time? So we introduced it, right? So we, mm-hmm. E. coli can cause sickness. Um, comes from a lot of different sources. As water resource managers, uh, part of my some of my positions has been to to monitor E. coli. So. Uh, it's a big public health issue. How do we how do we measure it? How do we monitor for it? Um, that's that's the next step in the process. And to to protect people, not necessarily for E. coli, but all fecal related issues, there there are ways you can monitor for this in in water. And you know, there's so the first, if you just want to know, like, hey, is there fecal matter in my water? You can do a measure of it's called fecal coliforms. So you can look at total coliforms, but fecal coliforms is a measurement. You take a water sample, uh, you do some microbiology magic, and you know you, you swab a plate and you look for colony forming units. And you, in this case, fecal coliforms, because it's coming from warm blooded animals, uh, you would you would incubate at a warmer temperature, and those that those bacteria that coliforms specifically, you can look for the coliforms. Um, they they will propagate in that warmer water excuse me warmer temperatures and that's how you can get a count of fecal coliforms okay i was wondering what that you you kept specifically saying warm-blooded and i was wondering what that connection was there it is that's interesting warm-blooded yep that's interesting so that's fecal coliforms and then it comes to okay okay so technically you could could do like a a key out type of situation like uh do i have feces (laughs) in the water Mm -hmm. You can you do a measurement of fecal coliforms. Yes. Okay. Boom. Next question is, um, but are these going to be ones that are going to be uh, a human health concern? So what do you do there? You measure for E. coli. So you can actually, so you could just go straight to the E. coli measurement, which a lot of people do. Uh, some some tests measure both um, fecal coliforms and E. coli in one of the same. So I think that was the one measurement that that I had in the lab that I managed was. Um, that you 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 can test for both at the same time so it had like a it was like a color metric type of test so uh it showed one color if it was if there was fecal matter okay those coliforms Mm -hmm. and then if you put it under uv light it would shine kind of fluorescent green and that would show you the coli so Hmm. two two things related to fecal matter one test so Hmm. Pretty God, efficient. I science. I love science. science. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. So so easy for resource managers, right? Yeah. It's like, otherwise, you'd have to do two to, if you just want to look at total coliforms, two, um, three tests, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it can be costing these. If you go to some labs, you know, an E. coli test can be 20 bucks a pop. So, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it it really adds up. If you're measuring beaches, um, for example, um, some counties, uh, I, I'm on uh, the Lake Superior shoreline, and in the summer, there's there's a number of beaches that there's monitoring going on. And if you think of every day, multiple beaches, you know that it can really add up. And that's not talking about personnel time as well, mm-hmm. travel, gas, all of it. So yeah, um, and then so given their cost, I'm guessing you guys only ran one kit per site. 
yes one mm-hmm. kid per site yep in in this situation right and there was um you know we looked at it kind of bi-weekly the one uh where i was doing this testing what didn't have public beaches but there were areas where people swam in so we kind of tried to get like a whole watershed type of approach just to know mm-hmm. you know if because there's a major river that was running through the area that i was in charge of and if a lot of these tributary sites ran through in this case farmland or rural past rural municipalities so we kind of looked at the tributary sites okay but then they're like oh site you know uh, blah 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 creek has a bunch mm-hmm. of e coli like we better watch out you know because that you know, tribute mm-hmm. it's, it's all coming to the one source so yeah mm-hmm. right? that that's the thing with moving water right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i'm just and, gonna keep keep moving somewhere else yep and stream systems too because matt and i we worked on a lot of pond and river type of things but yeah so i kind of switched over to in this case there was some some stream and river type of hydrology interaction it was interesting though because you could by looking at the tributaries you could kind of be like if, if i took all e coli samples from all of them right mm-hmm. at the same time they came back uh be like hey the main the main river channel has e coli going on you know um mm-hmm. and we know it's coming from one of the eight tributaries you know which one isn't you could go well this one's not showing this one's not showing this one is red hot for e coli be like hmm. what's what's going on in that tributary's watershed that this so it, you can kind of selectively go back to see where where the issue is right mm-hmm. so yeah makes sense it, it helps reduce finger pointing yeah finger pointing is the key word right so yeah. um it still doesn't necessarily negate finger pointing but um it can definitely help if you do have a nice organized and structured sampling mm-hmm. schedule right yeah it always cool. goes back to that human dimension doesn't it that's so yep yeah. I, that that's my that's my life right now right it's yeah. interesting right yeah <laughs> Yeah, a little yeah. different than working with undergrads and and working with with other graduate students. <laughs> it's fast. It, it it really it's it's difficult. It's hard, but it is fascinating too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what's why a lot of us get into this to help the everyday person. So yeah, and you're yep. you're doing it, man. Boots on the ground. Look at you. Boots on the ground. Um, you'll be there soon too, man. <laughs> Hopefully, and okay, cut just a couple short years, right? Yep. Three to ten years is the length of a PhD program in most situations, everyone. So, all right, it could vary, but so let's hope it's closer to one of those numbers than the other. <laughs> I know. Um, okay, let's get back to it. So, yes, fecal coliforms, measurements of E. coli. Uh, some tests again is that E. coli could be these really fun multi tests that you can do, but then also it, it's basic microbiology. You get a plate, you swab it, you look at these colony forming units. The EPA and other state water quality standards, um, depending where you are, or tribal water quality standards as well, they look at how much E. coli is allowed. So some of it's like, you know, if you if you have five samples over a period of time, like what's that average value? And it should be, you know, it shouldn't go over that. But then they also have like um, at any given sample, in most cases I have written down, um, 235 colony forming units per 100 milliliters. So that's a pretty specific number. Just know that that's not the highest it goes. I've had numbers that reach like 24,000 in a sample. Wow. Yeah, you're like, what is going on in up there? So um, That's kind of nasty. Very nasty, right? Yeah. And um, so that is a, it is a low number, but it that is related to... Um, 
human health and illness. So that's why it, there's a reason why that number's that number. Okay, so we won't get too far into that, but just know that um, researchers, public health officials know that anything above that, and um, your 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 likelihood of a this E. coli related issues um, could be could be big, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if I wrote this farther down, but you know when we're talking about E. coli, you know it. If a lot of contact comes in when you're swimming, right? You you mistakenly drink the water, it goes in. In most cases, drinking water you get from the tap, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you're like in a municipality, um, that, that's been treated, right? So you're mm -hmm. not necessarily worried about E. coli, but municipalities have to measure for that too. So uh, people are, um, especially in kind of in developed areas, protected from this. And that's why you know, a portion of your taxes, for example, goes to this. So you're, you're paying for it, but it's in most cases you you don't. I don't want to have panic. <laughs> but <laughs> on the flip side too, so like if you're on a, a private well, um, you can get tests for E. coli because if you have um, a well and a septic system, right? So something that I've had to help monitor or deal with is you know if there's leaching from that septic system, if there's failing. Um, yeah, I've had groundwater samples that come back with E. coli, and you're like, they're like, to my knowledge, um, drinking water, the the value is no no E. coli. So that mm -hmm. value, I wanted to highlight this was, I, I believe it's a recreational value is at 235 colony forming units. So mm -hmm. that would close a beach, but if if you're getting water from a tap, no mm -hmm. E. coli. Okay. Yep. If, if I'm remembering correctly, no E. coli. Okay. Yeah. So makes sense. Yep. Because how do you how do you know if that E. coli is toxic or or a, is it good not good E. coli but or is it or is it this illness forming one you you just don't know right mm -hmm. so you just none so um and that's the next section is so a measurement of E. coli that you take out of the water it it doesn't necessarily mean that that water has illness informing in inducing E. coli right. Yeah, so, no, it makes sense. Yep. Is it worth it? Like, is it worth it to measure 20 bucks a pop? You know, um, that that's a question, right? So yeah. I, I looked at the, the, the primary literature for this. Um, and so, and there was some contrasting opinions. So uh, there was a meta-analysis. So it, for those who don't know what a meta-analysis is, it's a literature review that looks at a lot of different studies and tries to find like a... Um, what's the overarching theme? What's the answer that we can draw from a lot of different sources? So in a 2004 literature review, um, they saw that this relationship between water quality measurements, okay, the correlation, so that relationship, um, water quality measurements in relationship to actual illnesses, there wasn't a significant or statistically significant correlation. So hmm. so as E. coli values increased, will that relate to more an increase in um, health and illness, and they hmm. they said in this one, not not so much. There was you know some reports, but just not statistically significant. Hmm. Okay, and there could be a few reasons for that. So um, as we talked about, E. coli can be naturally found in aquatic environments, right? So mm -hmm. um, or e it could be in soil as well. So if you had like a big rain event, more E. coli in your sample, that doesn't mean that people are going to be getting sicker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that that natural presence of E. coli that can skew it, um, 
then the, the length of time that the pathogen producing E. coli remains in the environment varies as well. So that can also um, be, so just because it's, it's there doesn't mean it's going to be always be there, right? So mm -hmm. um, that can have uh, an effect on this relationship too. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's a, also a delay between that measured E. coli and then when people get sick and if people are so sick that they're going to report it too. I see. So yeah. So, so I see. So there, there is some kind of parts, some kind of yeah, where that can the data doesn't quite get to the source kind of thing. Yes. Um, I did have a question though about yeah. So if the E. coli is there, and then whether or not it's still there when someone goes to drink it or recreate, how long does that test usually take to kind of come back? For like, if uh, if I was to go out and take an E. coli sample, yes, twenty four hours. Okay, that's quick. Yeah, that's that's pretty quick. Mm -hmm. So yep. okay. Yeah, it's. I think it's just yeah that that incubation time. So like the, mm -hmm. for some of those tests, it's like here's a you mix it up the solution, mm -hmm. and you have your water sample. Pour it in. You put it in like a a plate reader. Um, getting a little specific here, but it'll it'll show that uh, <laughs> different colors, and you, you count it up and be like, yep, there's there's an issue. There's not an issue. So it is quick. So okay. if if there's it could be next day beach closures. Okay. Gotcha. And if a beach closure happens in many cases, it's, it will stay closed until a measurement comes back, um, clean. Right. Mm -hmm. So it could be, be like, Hey, this, it, it really showed a lot of E. coli right now. Uh, come back or look at our website in 24 hours and, and see. So it's, it's quick. Definitely. Yeah, nice. Good. Mm -hmm. And then, but okay. So that was a 2004 meta-analysis. Another researcher looked at um, kind of double checking that findings at a later time and Ooh. did find that didn't disprove the literature review, but found maybe reasons why that there is that uh, poor correlation. Mm -hmm. And they kind of boiled it down to um, measurements and then like two looking at data that like reports two days after that E. coli outbreak um, was found. And that's where that strong relationship is. So depending on how you looked at the data, um, it could be, yeah, either good or bad. So uh, mm. that is suggesting that E. coli is good to look at, mm -hmm. and uh, I would also um, agree. Yeah, I would <laughs> Might especially. Not be the best. Yeah, I mean, especially considering it's one of the less intensive things, right, to measure. Yeah. I mean, there's like a million and one things you can measure in water quality, and some are easier than others. That one seemed pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And then it's like, what? What's the alternative? You know yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Especially Which, when it has that yeah. big of an impact on human health, right? Yeah. Like there yeah. are some water quality parameters that are, I don't want to say a luxury, but they're things you don't necessarily have to measure for human health. I think human health has to be above above all things. Yep. So it's it, you know there's there's some um, static in the measurement, but it's still the best thing we got. So mm -hmm. for sure, use it, everyone. And then, well, so here there's there's also other research that's looking at um, or advocating for other measurements too that could be so we talked about e coli can be an issue but then there's also uh that shigatoxin so some researchers from mercyhurst college pennsylvania one of our lab mates um <laughs> our beloved lab mates i think is that's their alma mater so I, yep. I had to put it in there but uh um to reduce that noise like we talked about from the e coli sampling you could just also measure for the shigatoxin itself okay mm -hmm. So don't measure E. coli, but not all bad. Well, I guess that's like maybe the more severe cases is from shigatoxin. Mm -hmm. That I don't want to make that broad blanket statement, though. Um, 
it can yeah. be one of those severe with the toxin and yeah so they did a test where they looked at 700 samples they they did measurements specifically for the shigatoxin which did a they did that with genetics testing well, I won't okay. get too far into that. Just did not texting. And then they also, <laughs> they, so they like went to spots and they measured both for the toxin and then for E. coli. Okay. And uh, yeah, so toxin present was not correlated to E. coli values. So, right. So in yeah, some cases, sense. yeah. So it's like you can't use E. coli as a measurement of the toxin. Mm. And if you're really, really worried about specifically the toxin, they suggested measuring for the toxin, not for E. coli, but then there's some E. coli that could cause um, illness that doesn't produce the toxins. So this is a, you know, the pickle that uh, mm -hmm. water resource managers need to think about. Uh, I'm not saying which one's better or worse, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not to get off another tangent, but the reason this sounds like this makes total sense to me is it sounds exactly like cyanobacteria. Yeah. Right. Exactly, talking about exactly. cyanobacteria toxins. It's like, yeah, just cause they're there. doesn't mean like mm -hmm. there's toxins just cause they're toxins. Doesn't mean there's a lot of them kind of thing. Yeah. It makes yes. sense. Yep. And then, um, so another little fun fact that I wrote down before going on to, um, some research has kind of looked at or, or found evidence that the shigatoxin producing E. coli can persist longer in the environment than non-toxin producing E. coli. Oh. So I don't know. They must be some beefy bacteria that can hmm. last for a while, right? And then they yeah. thought maybe one reason why it was because, um, you know, E. coli breakdown bacteria eats other bacteria type of situation everything's mm -hmm. breaking down everything else the circle of life in this case one of the reasons why it's that some bacteria wouldn't feed on the e coli that was toxic because they didn't therefore want to you know feed on toxic substances so they kind of mm -hmm. knew to avoid those and that's made that e coli persist longer it wasn't getting eaten mm. or broken down faster yeah. Yeah. interesting I'm that makes sense. And then it always brings up, I think in everyone's head, we're like, why isn't every E. coli toxic? And yeah. there's a, yeah, there's like the trade-off theory in ecology where, well, there's some reason that that less toxic E. coli strain is outcompetes the toxic one. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. So that is, hmm. um, E. coli, that is the, the measurement of E. coli, right? So mm -hmm. might not be the best to measure for everything. It's not a blanket type of measurement, but it's still the best we got and please use it. So, yeah. I okay. also wanted to say before I moved on, so I'm yep. glad you covered a lot of this. Shout out to Coosa River Keepers here in Alabama because they, every week during the summer, they do E. coli testing independent of the state. So I'm pretty sure Coosa River Keepers is a nonprofit group that they're in charge of the Coosa River. They do a ton of water quality sampling. So every week during the summer, they do their own E. coli testing and submit and kind of publish their own uh, findings on like every certain stretches of the river. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I I always look at that whenever I'm going to go kayaking or something like that. So shout yeah. out to them and any yes. other river keeper groups in the United States that do similar work. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you, Alabama. Um, <laughs> okay, so E. coli. It's in the water. Now let's go to who who dealt it. <laughs> where, okay. Where is it? Where is it coming from? So mm -hmm. um, that has been a portion of my position too. It's like we got this issue. How do we fix it? So we're going to go to the new, and part of how we fix it is knowing where is it coming from. Okay. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we we kind of already did this, but let's let's take a little fun little thought thought process. So we got um, we talked about E. coli can come from livestock, birds, human waste. It can come from 
you know, livestock in the river. It can come from lagoons. It can come from wastewater treatment plants, septic systems, uh, you know, from swimming areas where people aren't necessarily using bathrooms, um, right? Mm -hmm. All these different sources, uh, agriculture. Um, so you got concentrated, concentrated operations. You just have um, spreading of manure for fertilizer at certain times of the year. Where is it coming from? And um, determining the source. Uh, so picture that large watershed. You have um, large watershed in the middle of it. For example, you might have a big river and then you have those veins, those tributaries coming off. So you got a large surface area. You have all these players in this game. Where is the E. coli coming from? Um, that is, in many cases, issues that resource managers, including myself, you know, you got to figure out. So that's fun, right? Mm -hmm. There is I some. I know. There is some ways, though. So some technology that's been out there, I'll say technology, some, some testing now that's being performed that it's called soul, source molecular testing. So... Where is the source? Yep. And then, so they can do E. coli measurements that um, there'll be that trace or the, you know, it will indicate through its genetics where it was from. So it can oh, say wow. like, this, this is human effluent or this is, uh, I have written down from the one company, chicken, turkeys, cattle, hogs, humans. So. Wow. That's really specific. Isn't that interesting, right? So. That also sounds very expensive. It's expensive. <laughs> But uh, if you're if you have this whole area, you know, so first, you know, where look at the tributaries, where where is the E. coli coming from? We see it on this stretch of creek number one. This is where the E. coli is coming from. So you can work your way backwards. Right. Mm -hmm. And then be like, OK, on creek number one, we don't have we don't have a wastewater treatment plant, for example. But we do have a number of, you know, we have a cattle operation. We have a lagoon, you know. It's a, or, or let's go with a cattle operation, a septic system, and a turkey operation. And then mm -hmm. you can measure specifically in that stretch of stream. And uh, you can be like, here's this one. Here's this one. And be like, oh, it's, it's, it's coming from turkeys. Mm -hmm. So instead of pointing the finger at everyone, you can be like, hey, buddy, we see it's coming. And here's the evidence. Please, mm -hmm. let's work together. And uh, yeah. let's fix it. I can see that being pretty useful in a system that's having kind of chronic recurring E. coli outbreaks on a pretty regular basis. And yeah. they're just like, we know that it's going to come. We don't necessarily know the source kind of thing. Um, but I can also see that potentially being a problem when you're having it come from multiple sources. Yes. You're and like, so well, some um, of it's, yeah, some of it's human, some of it's Turkey, some of it's hog. It's like, well, then what do you do kind of thing? Yeah. And like, um, I, I don't want to make it sound like this is like a theoretical type of thing. Like, mm -hmm. so with the um, Clean Water Act, so Clean Water Act kind of is a, for the people in the United States, is this this regulation that makes, uh, makes sure that streams, rivers, you know, water bodies are, are up to a certain standard. And they can have different standards. So some could be like a recreational water body, whereas one could be for drinking water and they'll have different standards, right? Mm -hmm. And within that though, so... This is kind of like a little theoretical type of example, but if a waterway is impaired for E. coli, it goes on a list. It's like an impaired waterway list. Okay, so oh, like okay. A... facts, please. I'm sorry. I believe it's 303D. It's a certain portion of the, the Clean Water Act. And within that, um, the person who's in charge of the Clean Water Act, like so like the state, state of 
um, who can we pick on? Rhode Island. Uh, if they'd be like, hey, this stretch of stream is impaired for E. coli, like by law, you're required to bring it back up to standard, in which case bring the E. coli values below um, that. So it, this, this is, it's a fun little thought experiment, but this is, you know, this could be a lot of money for the state mm -hmm. to, to clean these up. And in some states, it there's, there's these impaired waterways that have been just sitting there for years for E. coli. It's like, oh, really? Like, yeah. Isn't that fun, Matt? I've been finding mm. that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and uh, if you're yeah. interested in learning about what impairments are in your, your waterway, the EPA has a website. It's called housemywaterway.com. And you can type in your zip code and it'll be like, yeah, like uh, this stream is impaired for nitrates or I think they call it like um, microbes and bacteria. And that within that umbrella could be a lot of different things or um that, that would be where e coli is and there, there could be toxins or heavy metals pcbs it'll have that uh those listings and those impairments so with this testing this source molecular yeah it can help people determine you know uh quicker in the watershed who's who's polluting the effluent yeah or whose effluent is polluting the watershed mm -hmm. yeah man yeah, seems like a seems like a pretty useful tool. Yep. Um, so okay, just real. We'll we'll get into a little more like where is it coming from. So uh, yeah, despite this technology, it's E. coli notoriously difficult to figure out where the source is coming from. So just a few that can be where it's from. We've kind of talked about this already. So agriculture, um, anything with warm-blooded animals, right? Um, that can enter into the waterway. Chickens, livestock, all of it. Um, manure split spreading uh, agriculture for sure can be a huge huge one right mm -hmm. um but also i ate today so i don't want to again point fingers because thank you that there's just you know it's that people are for sure let everyone know they're working on it and they're it's it, it just takes time unfortunately but i think especially since i've been in this area and learning um they're they're trying right everyone's trying so yeah, yeah. i mean I, we can do a whole other podcast on this but when you have and farmers <laughs> trying to feed like an overpopulated planet right you have like two what is it, like two percent of the population trying to feed an entire country or, or most of the world yes yeah man there's only so much you can do yep and uh just as a, a big just as big for e coli is uh, urban areas so um you know e coli laden runoff stormwater runoff septic systems that are leaching uh, they can go, so some stormwater, for those you don't know, goes directly into uh, lakes, rivers. Um, so that could be an issue as well. That That's an untreated, potentially has E. coli. Um, next is wastewater systems. So some, say you flush a toilet, that goes into a wastewater treatment plant or a septic system, for example. In a wastewater system, uh, it, there's breakdown of that effluent by bacteria for example chemicals filters right um in a lot of well i'm sure we'll cover this i think i talked about this already there's there's aging infrastructure right within the united states specifically and what's interesting though and you mentioned this like some areas people are like atlanta there's a, a migration of people coming from one place to the next mm -hmm. and that's stressing a system that was built for you know um we can treat a million gallons of effluent a day and now it's like well we got two million coming through here what the mm -hmm. heck so there's that and on the flip side um areas that people are leaving um 
So these wastewater plants, in most cases, are funded by taxpayers. Okay. Yeah. Oh, economics. I think about the other way. Yes. So you have oh, areas that have a smaller taxpayer base, and they, you know, you, there's not enough money to fully treat or re-update mm. these aging. So there's like, you know, I, I don't know exactly the the lifespan, but there is a lifespan. You know, infrastructure in the United States, bridges, roadways this piping you know there's there's only so much time like it, it's not gonna be forever and yeah so if you don't have enough money to fix it or repair it that could be an issue as well right so mm. migration has effects on both different areas where are you leaving yeah. from where are you headed to yeah that's i don't know that's like beyond the obvious for me yeah just right? as far as like yeah that tax money and everything mm -hmm. that fuels uh, you know everything's connected everyone yeah yeah yep yep um okay uh, so I won't cover that because we kind of talked about it already. Bird droppings. We'll just say, I'll say it. So like uh, geese, you know, that can be a big, big source. And geese mm -hmm. is a huge, um, in some suburban, urban waterways, uh, Canadian geese is just a huge problem. Yeah, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a waterfowl expert, but mm -hmm. I do wonder if anyone out there does study waterfowl, if there is a correlation between migratory waterfowl and E. coli outbreaks. Ooh, that's good. Because me personally, um, doing a lot of like touristy stuff and whatnot in like Tennessee. So Real Foot Lake is a huge migratory duck spot. Mm -hmm. Um, like, and I mean, millions of ducks come through there every year. Yeah. Like, I wonder. I wonder yeah. if there is if there is E. coli in the systems. You can kind oh. of follow it up the migra the, that's, the migratory that's path. That's interesting, right? Yeah. I know, and like, um. In some places in the Midwest, these like energy, um, you know, energy produces warm water that needs to like go into like settling pond or ponds that like cools it before going mm -hmm. like out into a stream. But uh, in some of those areas, you have <laughs> open warm water all year round, and these geese are not leaving. Mm -hmm. They'll just be there and be like, whatever. Like, hey, why do I need to fly when I have this oasis? Yep. And uh, yeah, so that can be a big issue as well. Hmm. That these just these ponds that are just infested with geese um yep <laughs> an issue um okay so one more thing i want to bring up to groundwater infiltration so if you have you if you're from certain areas you get your water from groundwater okay and that can have e coli in it too um remember no no e coli is good in in groundwater so leaking sewer lines for example too um that can also be a, a person trying to figure out the source of this e coli needs to look at all these situations agriculture urban groundwater all of it so it can be an ordeal for sure yep okay so um i'm going to conclude here with a little bit of uh how you can keep your water safe so uh coli is in the water we find out where it's from um it takes a while it can come be from a lot of different places we talked about um if, if you are concerned about your water and what you can do to keep it safe uh, here are some some take-home tips for you, okay? So keep on testing. So making sure or keeping an eye, like Matt said, if you're going to go swimming, you know, there's 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 organizations that measure for E. coli and will have that updated postings. Some state uh, closures and, and monitors happen as well. So Iowa has a public, you know, website that looked at water quality. Uh, many states do this. So public beaches in the summer, for example, we'll, we'll put this, put this out. Um, 
So next next take home is do your part, okay? So knowing where your um, wastewater is going from, if you have uh, pets that produce manure, for example, you know, disposing of that properly. Uh, if you have like a big manure pile and you have a stream or a creek running through your backyard, uh, yeah, uh, watch out because that's that's yep, you're you're <laughs> causing issues in most cases. If you're if you're from the country and you're a homeowner, uh, leaking septic systems, you know, making sure you're um, doing whatever. I'd, I've never been on a septic, so I'm not exactly sure what all goes down, but I'm pretty sure there's some routine maintenance that needs to be done. So do that as well. Uh, livestock from wading into streams can be a big one. Um, keeping if you if you're going to do water related activities. Um, so one thing we didn't mention is pools, right? So public pools can have E. coli in it. Uh, they usually have ways you can better control in a pool. So you can do, you know, that that chlorine, right? But mm -hmm. just making sure, I'm pretty sure there's E. coli testing for pools too. But making mm -hmm. sure all that is up to date um, is, is good as well to protect uh, against E. coli. And yeah, watch your drinking water, which we already talked about. So uh, there's there's ways to to measure for that contamination and then there's also ways to if contamination occurs to to fix that so um, water filters uv sterilization sterilization um, reverse osmosis there's there's filter types that if you're on in the country you have well water for example you can install these things to make sure you're not getting e coli and other uh, water quality issues from from entering into your your house yeah and uh, yeah, so hopefully that that is uh, where we'll stop, and hopefully we found some good fun stuff about E. coli. So a simple yeah. bacteria with all this fun stuff around it. Yeah, it can get really, really complex really in, like quickly. So oh, yeah. I'm gonna stop rambling. <laughs> Dunzo. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and learned a little about E. coli. So we also run a website called FishWaterAndTravel.com, and we if you're you're a a, a reader and you learn that way we also have an article about this and you can find that there as well as other articles videos and other materials related to anything freshwater so uh, please check it out we also are we also are on social media uh, instagram facebook youtube all under the same name fishwater and travel so thank you for listening to freshwater perspectives and hope you enjoy see you matt see you Riley.